You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. I'm excited to uh, talk about today's message. You know, uh, this past week, I have um, my wife Leslie and I, our son Gavin, who just recently turned eight. Um, what's great is Gavin being eight years old and being a boy, he's right at that age where we can really start um, to give him the real chores. You know what I'm saying? Like the mow the yard type chores. And so this past, uh, this past week, um, I had the privilege of starting to train my son Gavin on how to mow the yard. And so we started in a pretty easy way where we went over to Leslie's uh, grandma's house who uh, she needed some help mowing her yard. And so she's got one of these fancy new electric lawnmowers, okay? And uh, in theory, that sounds great, all right? But it's actually very difficult. (laughs) It's difficult to use uh, for somebody with little hands like Gavin. And so, um, but anyway, so we got out there and, uh, you know, once we get them trained at our house, we just, we have the good old fashioned, just gas powered, you know, not self-propelled. You just got to push it yourself. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's good for you. Get out there. You'll be fine. Um, No, but anyway, so I'm training Gavin and I'm I'm showing him how it works. And I'm kind of just learning as the first time I'm using this mower as well, but I'm showing him how to use this push mower. And as I'm training him to do it, I, uh, I go around do the outline a few times, and I kind of just set him on track, and I just kind of tell him how to align, how to stay on the path that I've created, and how to, how, to, how to go about it. And so for the first several laps, I'm there, and I walk along Gavin, and, and uh, I'm showing him how to use the self-propel thing and all this stuff. And, and every once in a while, I just have to lean down and show him how to move the mower to keep it on the line that I've set that's in the, in the yard. And so I'm, I'm kind of straightening him out every, every little bit. I'm helping him take the turns because he hasn't figured that out yet. He's just trying to manhandle it around. And so I'm trying to show him how to do this. And eventually I just got to the point where I'm like, okay, I can't just stand over his shoulder for the next, you know, 20 minutes here. I'm going to let him have some breathing room. I'm going to go over here. I can still see him, you know, so it's safe and all this stuff. I can see him. If he gets, you know, way off or he gets super frustrated, I can step in and I can help. And uh, once, you know, I mean, he did it. I let him go. And there was, you know, I had to come back with the weed eater and hit a few strips that he did not get. But um, for his first time, he did a really good job. And of course, this past week, it was super hot. So he was very sweaty, ready to go inside once we got all done. But in that moment, I just couldn't help but think about how this is exactly what our Heavenly Father does with us. He's created a path for us, and then he sets us on it, and it doesn't mean that it's all sunshine and rainbows. It doesn't mean that I'm just walking on this path and there's no sweat involved. He's created good things for us to do, and along the way, I got to put in a little bit of effort. And just like Gavin learning to push mow, there was times when he would get off, and all of a sudden there's a strip of unmowed grass, and what did I do? I didn't come up and just say, hey, what what are you doing, you stupid idiot? No, I didn't do that at all. I just said, hey, let me help you correct this and get back on track. And then at some point, I didn't just continue to look over. Once he got comfortable, what did I do? I gave him some space. I never left him, but I gave him space to walk. And in doing so, this is exactly what our Heavenly Father does. He's looking for what? Let me correct you a little bit. Let me set this back on the path that I have for you, and it's going to end well. He's never looking to bash us over the head or, or anything like that, but he's looking to help us along the way. But what he's not looking to do is look at your life and grab the mower for you and say, let me just handle it. You just sit on the sideline. He's looking to partner 
with us together. And that's the beauty of relationship with our Heavenly Father is that we get to know him intimately, personally, and at a close level. Not static, just sitting here, but moving and walking together. And so a little bit of what I want to talk about today is something that God put on my heart. And the title for today's message is just protect your home. And so this is a Father's Day message for, for the dads, but also this is applies to anyone in here. This applies to maybe you're sitting there and you're like, well, I'm not, I'm not even married or I'm in high school or whatever. That's okay. These principles apply to your life. You could just say protect, protect my life if you want to. And I want to remind us of this, that we do have a spiritual enemy. We have a spiritual enemy. And here's what God's word says about him. John 10.10 10 says this, that the thief comes, uh, he does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. I don't know about you, but I, that's what I want. I want life more abundantly, not so I, if we have more things, but I have more of God, abundantly more of God in my life is what I want. And so when we do this, but this is also shines a great light on, we have a spiritual enemy who's a thief. And can I tell you, uh, our spiritual enemy is attempting to use culture to steal our families and to impact the next generation for the church in the future. It's abundantly clear. And we can say, well, uh, you, know, you know, culture's not evil. I, I would say this. Uh, culture in itself is not neutral. It's not neutral. You may say that not all of culture is evil, and I would, say, I would agree with that. There's some good things, absolutely. However, culture's not neutral because... Our spiritual enemy, the devil, who's the little G, God of this world, who has a lot of influence in this world, he knows that culture influences the masses. Culture influences the majority. This is not something new in our world. This is what we see even in in God's word. This is what we see in the stories of the Bible. What did he do? He attacked leaders of nations. He influenced leaders that could um, influence other people's lives. And in doing so, impacted culture, even if it was just the slightest little bit, it would turn into a big effect. And all I got to tell you is this. If you don't believe that the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy the next generation or our homes, our families, just go, just go to any store this month. Go to, walk into any store this month and see that our culture is doing what? It is pushing things, promoting things to our kids that does not align with this. And we got to be aware of it. we got to be aware of, okay, I see what culture is doing, but in my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not here to hate anyone, to kill anyone, to bash anyone. But remember, it is not unloving, and you are not unloving because you love God's word more than you love someone else's sin. You're not unloving because you love God's word more than you love someone else's sin. Someone else's sin, and especially our own sin, should grieve our spirit. It should, uh, it should turn us a little bit to make us want to do something about it, absolutely. But today I want to show you from God's word, how do we keep the enemy who wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy, how do we keep enemy, even from using culture or anything else, any outside source, how do we keep him from coming in, from stealing our kids, stealing our family, our marriages, our relationships, and hauling them away to his kingdom rather than staying under the umbrella of God's kingdom. So here's what I want to talk about. Three ways to protect your home. And the first one is this. We, need, we have to learn to strengthen yourself, strengthen myself in the Lord. So if you're taking notes, you can fill in the blank. Strengthen myself in the Lord. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a story in God's word. It's a story from the life of David. This is before David was king. Uh, he's been anointed as the next king, but yet he, the, the 
current king, Saul, is trying to kill David because he's jealous of him. So David is kind of on the run. David is actually in a very interesting position here because David is actually working with the Philistines, which is the enemy of God's people, at this moment in time. So it's a very interesting time where, where David is almost rebelling. And in fact, a few chapters before, he, he makes these statements like um, he's given up on his future almost as becoming king. Like there's nothing more for me. I should just die type of statements. And that's about where he's at. Eventually, though, they're going to war and the Philistines send them home. Go back to your place. We're going to go. We're going to continue on without you. And this is where we pick up 1 Samuel 30. And we'll read this. I'll show you how it applies to us. 1 Samuel 30, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag. They attacked Ziklag and they burned it with fire. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. But they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away, and they went their way. So David and his men, they came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him, they lifted up their voices, and they wept until they had no more power to weep. In verse 6, now David was greatly distressed for the people, his own guys, they spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So here's the key thing here, right? They're coming home. They've been away for a while. Imagine what they hoped to come home to. You ever seen those videos of when a soldier surprises their family? Like, you, you want to have a good cry today? Watch one of those videos on YouTube, right? When a soldier comes home, surprises their family, they came home early from deployment. This is what they were hoping was going to happen. And you can imagine as they're far way off, what do they see? They see smoke rising and not smoke from fire pits, but they show up and everything is burned and all of their families are taken away. And God showed me this past week that this is a physical example of spiritually what's happening today. That our enemy is coming and he's coming to steal and to snatch away the things that are most precious to us, which is the future, which is the next generation, which is our homes. And so in this moment, you can see this phrase right here, they had no more power to weep. I don't know about you, ever been in that place before? Like I've cried so much, my body can't produce more tears. Maybe for you, maybe you've never been in that place, but maybe you've been at a loss for words. Like maybe what's going on in your family, in your marriage, uh, in your life, in your job, you just think, I have, I'm at a loss for words. I don't even know what to say or what to do. This is exactly where they're at. But what's interesting is this, is that this is a backslidden David. This is David that's not close with God's heart, who was actually almost to the point where he was going to join the Philistines to attack Israel. Like, He's the next king, but he was actually going to attack his own future kingdom. This is literally, if you read back the previous two chapters, this is literally where he's at. He was working for the Philistines, but why would God strengthen him? Just a great reminder of his character. Why would God strengthen a backslidden David who would lead, who was murdering people, robbing people? It's because of this. Because God is rich in mercy and in grace. Because David, at this point, was now completely broken himself. He was completely broken, and he needed to be filled. He needed to be filled. So let me remind you of this. God is not in the business of breaking you. Hear me today. God's not in the business of breaking you, but he can use your brokenness. This is what it shows me. 
Did God make this happen? No. But will he use it for his glory? Yes, he will. God's not in the business of breaking you, but he can use your brokenness. God can use a humble person who is broken down and distressed in a much greater way. He can use them in a much greater way than a prideful person who has it all together. So many times we look at someone else and we think they have, everything's perfect. They got the right job. They got the right paycheck. They got the perfect family. And we're looking from the outside, from the outside in. But if they have pride in their heart, God cannot use them. God actually resists the proud. God can use, though, someone who's distressed, someone who is brokenhearted, someone who has cried so many tears that they don't have a tear left to cry if they'll humble themselves, get on their knees in the presence of a heavenly father and say, God, help me. Help me. If we will do that, if we will practice that on a regular basis, saying, God, I need you. I need to strengthen myself in you. God will answer that prayer. Here's another thing that's interesting with this this phrase is that David strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. David did not wait for someone else to strengthen him. He didn't wait. He took initiative himself. Why? Because he had no one else. Even his closest friends, look, they sought to kill him because he's the reason that we followed him the way that our our, our families were attacked and they they were taken away from us. David strengthened himself in the Lord. The other thing he didn't do is he didn't just sit down and pout and do nothing. He didn't wait and say, well, Lord, if you, if you want to strengthen me, go, go for it. I'm just going to sit here in the, in the pit of despair while I'm waiting for you. No, he didn't do that either. He didn't sit down and wait. He didn't necessarily look to someone else, even though we should. When we're in a time of distress, you need to surround yourself with faith-filled people. Absolutely. But here's what's amazing is God's strength for David was there the whole time. But it was at this point he decided to go get it. And that's what we have to realize. When I'm going through hell, when my life is awful, when attacks are coming at me from every angle, when I strengthen myself in the Lord, I have to remind myself that God's strength was never distant from me. God's strength was always present. I have to choose to get it, though. David strengthened himself in the Lord. But when he strengthens himself in the Lord, what does God do? God strengthens David. God responds with strength. So here's what's really cool. There's many theologians that believe, so the the real question is this, what does it look like to strengthen yourself in the Lord? Many theologians believe that Psalm 25 could very well have been written at this moment in time. Now, there's there's some debate on that, but let's read the first three verses, and it sounds pretty close to me. So Psalm 25, starting in verse 1, says this. David says, To you, O Lord, I pray, don't fail me, Lord, for I am trusting you. Don't let my enemies succeed. Don't give them victory over me. None of those who have faith in God will ever be disgraced for trusting him. Man, that's good. But all who harm the innocent shall be defeated. Sounds pretty accurate to the situation we're in, right? He goes on, continues on, there's several more verses. But what does David do in strengthening himself in the Lord? He exalts God. He talks about God's character. And then he gives God his burden. Help me. Help me. Lord, don't fail me. I'm trusting you. Don't let my enemies succeed. Give me victory. But he backs it with a promise from God. And I love this. He speaks in faith and he says, none of those who have faith in God will ever be disgraced for trusting in him. I don't know about you, but that's a great reminder today. 
When I put my faith and my trust in God, I will not be disgraced because of it. Does it mean that my life is perfect? No, but it does mean that when storms come, battles come, attacks come, I have a response. And the response is not a natural response. It's a supernatural response. God is not in the business of being mocked by a puny devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God is not in the business of being mocked by him. He is in the business. He is looking to work on your behalf. That's what he's seeking to do. He's looking for it. And as David turned to the Lord and he spent time with him, what did he do? He strengthened himself. He strengthened himself in the Lord. But now it was time for David to do something with the strength. He didn't strengthen with himself and sit and get static and have no action. But the other thing I got to point out before I go to point number two is this. We have to learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, not just in the bad times, but in the good times as well. Too many times we wait until someone's in the hospital, till I get a bad report, till my marriage is on, the, we've already signed the divorce papers. I wait to strengthen myself until the attack has already happened. See, what's great about learning from David's story here, the principle behind it, is that it's not just a responsive thing or a defensive thing, but protecting your home and these principles is also an offensive thing. It's both. When I get robbed from the enemy, what do I do? I strengthen myself in the Lord. I do these two things. When I don't want to get robbed from the enemy, what do I do? I strengthen myself in the Lord. It helps prevent these things. It's not just strengthening ourselves, period. Strengthening ourselves where? In the Lord. You can't do it on your own strength. But God said, I have strength and I have power and I have authority that I will give you on my behalf so that you can go and do something. So now that we've become strengthened, what does David do? David strengthens himself. The second thing he does is this. Point number two is seek the will of God. He strengthens himself. Everyone's turned against me. My family's been hauled away. Number two is the seek the will of God. All right, God, at least have caught my breath from, from being so distressed. Now what do I do? Let's pick it up in 1 Samuel 30. Uh, we'll go in verse 7. Uh, then David said to Abiathar, I looked it up how to say it, but I might be messing it up. He looked to the priest, uh, Ahimelech's son. He said, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar, I think that is, if I mess it up, you can tell me afterwards. Uh, he, he brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him. He said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Without fail, recover all. So God's response is very strategic. Let's, we'll get to that in just a second. The first thing is this. What are we, when he's, he, looked, he got the ephod. What are we talking about here, right? Well, this is uh, important to know. An ephod was a special apron that the priest would wear at this time. And it was something that would cover them when they were doing sacrifices and things like that. But it was something that they would wear. It was a covering or a clothing. And on the ephod was something that was called the Urim and the Thummim which was basically stones, or two different types of stones that were identical that they would carry with them right near their heart is where it would be stashed, which is interesting in of itself. But these were used for divine direction. So a leader would come to the priest and they would bring a question and they, they would do all the right things so that they could ask this question or petition of God. And the, the priest, and there's a lot of debate on exactly how it worked, but the priest could then go in to the ephod and pull out the Urim or the Thummim. And some would say that it would glow. Others would say whichever one he pulled out would tell you what the answer would be from God. And so he would pull these out and then David would get his response based on the stone that the priest would pull out. 
a lot going on here. Here's the encouraging thing for us, though. Today, we get to do the same thing, but with God's word. Today, we don't have to go to a priest who has a special garb that he's wearing that we have to ask in petition of God and get some answers. The good thing is God has put his spirit in you. He's giving you his will for your life, which is, in, is found in his word. And he says, I will show you the direction that you need to go based in here. We talked about this a few weeks ago. We can't know the specific will of God for your life without knowing the general will of God, which is his word. He said, he's showing us here, and that's what I love, um, that in, in seeking through the ephod, David was basically going back to God's word. It was God's word, the word of God, that told the, the leaders of Israel how to hear from God. And so what is David doing? First thing he does, I've strengthened myself. I'm going to seek God's will. What is it that you would have me do? Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake them? I love the follow-up question. Pursuing is one thing, but am I going to win, right? Are we going to win this victory if I go after them? Um, So here's the thing. When I find myself in a time of distress, when I've cried so many tears that I have zero tears left, when I'm so confused that I don't know what to do, and when even my closest friends turn their back on me, I must strengthen myself in the Lord, and I have to get in his word. If I will do these things, God gives us insight into how we can respond to the situation we're in, or how to be prepared for the, the situation that might arise in the future. Why is this important? Here's what's crucial about this. God gave David something to do, Number one, what do you say? Pursue. But then God gave David a promise in the doing. You see, many times we get confused with this book and we think this book is just a bunch of no's. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't, uh, I can't do this. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm trying to be better. There are some of those in here. But can I tell you the other thing that it's even more important is that these are filled with promises of God. Where God says, if you will do what I'm telling you to do, He said, the way I've designed even nature itself and how your body works and how everything works, I've designed it that if you will do these things, that it will be well for you, that it will go well for you. And so what does he do? He says, pursue, you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, you're going to recover all. When God gives us something to do, he always gives us a promise to back the doing. But you will have no faith to obey God if you don't know the promises of God. If, I, if David doesn't know if he's going to have victory, how can he go in faith to pursue the enemy that stole from him? You will have no faith to obey God if you don't know the promises of God. Can I tell you, you cannot know the promises of God without knowing the word of God. Seek God's will. What's his will? It's his word for us. It's his word for us. This is vital in protecting your home. It's vital. I've got to seek God's will. And if I'm allowing something into my home, allowing something into my life that does not align with God's word, I've got to cut it out. Imagine that your home where you live at, imagine that if 2% of the water that is coming to your house, that you're brushing your teeth with, 2% of the water that you're taking a shower in, imagine if 2% of that water was poison. Would you be okay with that? I don't know. I wouldn't be okay. Like, that's not good. I'm not going to brush my teeth with this water, even though it's only 2%. But this is what we do with what culture has for our homes. Well, it's just 2% of how we're running our, our, our life doesn't align with this. 2% over a long period of time is just as dangerous as 100% in an instant. We've got to learn that even if there's 2% that's in my life, not to get comfortable with it. I've got to make some changes. I'm going to have to cut out some friendships. I'm going to have to prune some stuff out of my life. Why? So God can move me forward and prosper me on the plan that he has for my life. So what did David do? Strengthen himself. 
He sought the, the will of God, which we get to do that through the word of God. Number three is, is the important one. Bold obedience brings victory. We have to remember that bold obedience or a bold response to God brings victory. We're going to look at the end of the story. Basically what happens is David gathers not even all of his men. Some of them are so exhausted that they, don't, they can't make the trip. He gathers some of his men and he goes. And along the way, they come across a guy that's been stranded. It's been beat up. And they make a kind of a, a little covenant with him. Hey, we're not going to kill you. Show us where the guys are that took our stuff. And so here we pick up in verse 16, 1 Samuel 30, verse 16. It says this. And when he, this is the guide that they came across, had brought him down, David, they brought David down. There they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening the next day. <laughs> this is important because here's what David did. David used some smarts. He waited until they were hung over before he attacked. <laughs> so he watches them. Enjoy your time, boys. Keep drinking because tomorrow we're going to mess you up. Okay, while you're still in bed and you got the headache, we're going to mess you up big time. So he goes, he attacks until evening the next day. Not a man of them was spared or escaped except 400 men who rode on camels and they fled. So David recovered all. He recovered all that they had, that had carried away. Man, this is so good. He rescued his two wives. Nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that which they had been taken from them. David recovered all. You see how simple God's word really is? Even when we face crisis, the basics in Christianity are still enough to bring victory. Many times we think this crisis is so great, I must have some great response to recover all. I must have some great response to have peace. I must have some great response to even face tomorrow. But the greatest response is the simplest. Strengthen myself. Seek God through his word and obey whatever he says to do in his word. It doesn't matter how big the situation, how devastating it is. David shows us, not in a perfect way, but he shows us in the natural, here's how you can have victory. We get to do it spiritually. God gave David complete victory because he strengthened himself, he sought the will of God, and he boldly obeyed, and he simply did what God told him to do. Here's what's crazy, is that David trusted God to smite his enemy. He said, God, will we overtake them? I'm trusting that you're gonna help us have the victory because they have more guys, they have more people than we have. Remember, David didn't even take all of his guys with him. Some of them were too exhausted for the trip. God, I'm trusting that you will give me victory, that you will smite them. But here's the key. He marched and he pursued them as if it all depended on himself. He trusted God would bring the victory, but he marched and he pursued as if it all depended on him. This is a great lesson for us when it comes to protecting our home and how we live our life even. St. Augustine said it this way. I have this quote for you. Pray like everything depends on God. Work like everything depends on you. Pray like everything depends on God. Work like everything depends on you. This is what David did. God, I'm trusting you. You're going to give me the victory. But I'm going to go and I'm going to do my part as if it was all on me. Not neglecting God, forgetting God, but he's going with the strength that God has given him. If I could sum, I'll just sum this up with, with one verse right here. Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. Says this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It means what? You shouldn't, don't stop speaking it, is what it's saying. Don't stop speaking it. 
but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The wording of this is so incredible because it just sums up exactly what we talked about. What do we do? We strengthen ourselves in God. We draw close to him. We seek his will through his word, and then we obey what it tells us to do. And this is what, this is what the verse was talking about. Don't let it depart out of your mouth. Meditate on it. Consume it. Constantly be consuming it so that you will obey it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Interesting. Then God will make your way prosperous? God's done his part. And when God does his part, he says, now if you will do your part, you will make your way prosperous. You see how it's just like me teaching Gavin to mow the yard? I can mow it, and I'm gonna, I'm, I enjoy mowing. I'm going to do a really good job. Or it brings me pride. It brings me great joy to watch my son mature. And that's God's desire for us, is that he would partner with us, set us back on the course when we need to, and eventually he would just say, hey, you got it. You're doing it just as good as I. You're walking, because you're obeying me. You're listening to my voice. I trust you. Go for it. That's what God wants to do with us. He enjoys seeing us mature as believers. And if we'll do these simple things, can I remind you that God's a good father. He has good things for you. He desires good things for his children. But he's a good father who wants to help his kids stand on their own two feet. He's not just going to do everything. He says, I've, <laughs> he's already done plenty, okay? It doesn't mean he's not going to continue to work in your life. Hear me. It's the partnership is what I'm trying to remind us of. It's the partnership. He says, I want to walk with you. I want to help you stand on your own two feet so we can walk together. It's not just so you're watching me. Will you walk with me is what he's saying. Will you walk with me? See, David's story is a great lesson for us on how we can protect our homes, protect our lives, protect our families in a time when our enemy wants to use culture and everything around us to steal the good things in our life. But if we're in a daily habit of strengthening ourselves in the Lord, seeking the will of God through his word, and walking in bold obedience so that God can do the miraculous, he can bring victory. And he can bring success. And he can help us find freedom. And he can restore your marriage. He can help you speak to your kids that are distant. He can help you reach your kids that are far from God. He can help. He can help. He can help. Let's do our part so that God can do his part. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much and we're thankful for you. I thank you for your word and I thank you that your word is a true guide to us. It helps us, Lord. You've set us up for success. I thank you that you've done so much for us. I just pray, Lord, that this year, Lord, help us in a world full of crooked and, and perverse and dark things. Lord, would you help us shine like bright lights? Would you give us the boldness to obey your word, Lord? I pray that every day, would you, Holy Spirit, light a fire in us. Help us with the want to and the desire to do what pleases you. Would you help us strengthen as we strengthen ourselves in you, Lord? Would you give us your strength, not to go on our own, but to walk in your strength? Lord, as we read your word, would you make it clear to us? Would you make it just come alive to us? Would you let it go to work in us, Lord, to cut out things that don't need to be there? And Lord, as we walk in bold obedience to your word, I thank you that your word promises that we can have victory, that we can have success, that we can have restoration, Lord, that we can have your will truly done in our lives as it is in heaven, in our families as it is in heaven, in our, in our marriages as it is in heaven. 
That's our desire, God. And Lord, I just pray that through this word, I pray that you would inspire us to guard, to protect, and to preserve what you've entrusted to us in our homes, in our families, and in our lives. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out abidechurch.com.